Welcome to Worship Call with Bible teacher Buzz Lawback. Buzz is the pastor of Grace Chapel Bible Ministries located in Duncan, South Carolina. This ministry is dedicated to the verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word and discipleship programs aimed at strengthening the faith of God's people. Now here's today's message. And this this is the fourth day of the week in God's created order. Let me get the day right. <laughs> First day of November 2023rd year of our Lord. And we begin this morning with our friend George Witten of WorthyNews.com. And he says, friends, don't dilute the word. Don't dilute the word. Passage this morning is Second Peter 2, 8 through 9. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed in his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve and to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. When Yeshua was attacked by Satan during his temptation in the wilderness. He counted every ta- he countered every attack with the word of God. But notice in Satan's second attack, the enemy himself quoted scripture saying, "If thou be the son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee and their hands shall bear thee up lest any at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Matthew 4, 6 was a quote from Psalm 91, 11. But the phrase, to keep thee in all thy ways, was absent from Satan's quote. If we learn anything from this, we will realize that Satan has knowledge and some understanding of Scripture and that he will use the word tempting attempted to deceive us with it and to wrong actions. This tactic goes back even as far as the Garden of Eden where the adversaries twisted God's word saying, did God really say you shall not eat from any tree, every tree in the garden? So it is today that all around us we are hearing constant abuses, questions and attacks against the truth and reliability of God's word. Did God really create the world in six days? Did God really say that marriage consists of a union between a man and woman? Is God really going going to judge the world and destroy it with fire? Has God really defined absolute moral truth? The enemy is constantly attempting to erode and destroy the foundational truth of God's word using distortions, corruptions, half-truths, modern interpretations, For he knows that if the foundations are destroyed, what can we, what can the righteous do? Friends, let's not be deceived by those subtle poison of Satan. If we agree to alter or dilute the word of God to accommodate our circumstances or natural inclinations, we will end up exactly where the serpent wants us, in disobedience sin, and sorrow. You know, Satan has been using religious language to tempt the saints since 
the beginning of time, even to the point of trying to persuade people that he doesn't even exist. We must be discerning. If we want to live and walk in the truth, we will believe God's word undiluted without compromise of private interpretation, seeking to understand it with the help of the Holy Spirit, who is the only perfect interpreter. If we do, the enemy's deception will fail, and we will be delivered from every temptation. Your family in the Lord with much agape love, George, Badrevka, Obadiah, and Lena, and this is another fine day in the Lord. Let's turn to our Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, gracious Father, thank you for another day. Thank you for waking us up this morning. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the ability to lift up our hearts in prayer. And I pray, Heavenly Father, thank you for not not being a God that that can be pestered or burned by one who says, bring our prayers to thee and our requests to thee. Daily, all the time, day and night. Because you have room in your heart and in love for us to hear those prayers. Thank you for the hearing. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the prayers that you've answered. Thank you for the prayers that you you haven't answered. And thank you for the prayers that we still continue to ask for. So, Heavenly Father, open up our hearts this morning to your word as we continue to grow in, grow in it. And these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. we Our passage this morning is Luke 18.1. Luke 18.1 with me. And we're talking, our subject this morning is on prayer. Now, he was telling them a parable. This is his disciples. To show at, at, all, at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying, here's a parable. Now, remember, a parable is a fictional story. It's no, and we know that a parable is, is a story without a, uh, but it, it's, it doesn't have specific names or places. That, that's how you can know that it's a parable, it's a fix, fix, fictional story, but with a, uh, but to illustrate some truth. And this is what Jesus is teaching. He's teaching in a parable here, the importance of prayer. In a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect men. There was a widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while, he was unwilling. But afterwards, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. The Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, Will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, he he will find faith on the earth. Will he find faith on the earth? Oh, let's start. Uh, Where do we start at on this? Um, 
first of all, the pamphlet. But I, as I was reading this, I started thinking about, imagine, just imagine yourself back, you're sitting there with, with Jesus, and just imagine, this, a parable is a story. A parable is something that that you would you would um, let's say you've got your kids, your grandkids, and say, so "Let me tell you a story." <laughs> Yvonne's probably laughing at. It. Let me tell you a story. Let me a story that is not just interest, but a wise a wise father, wise grandfather, and certainly Jesus' wisdom. And he says, "Let me tell you a story. Come, come and sit down." I want to tell you something. I've got something to teach you, but I want to give you an illustration. It's kind of like, I, I, off the top of my head, I think of Nathan when he comes to to um, to David. He says, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you about a man and his little sheep, you know, to illustrate some truth that he's getting ready to teach. Here he's teaching about a, a um, the importance of prayer. So he he starts up, in a certain city, Again, a parable doesn't have specific um, places or names. In a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect. This is this is the player number one on the stage. Get this, okay? So you've got an evil judge. You got you got a, a wicked judge. Now, in the ancient world, the and and in this world and this society, judges were respected. And they were expected, respected and expected to take care of those who are um, uh, who downtrodden, those that are are being taken advantage of. And in a wicked world that we have, there are those out there that will take advantage of, of widows and orphans or anything, anything to 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 um, advance their own agenda. Pharisees were like this. They. They really didn't care for the poor. We live in a time today where where um, where even the government takes advantage of the poor in all kinds of different ways. So here we have here we have a judge and a a uh, it is a judge that that should be in a position to be able to arbitrate a righteous decision. And to stand up for the little guy, to stand up for the 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 widow, and for for those who who need representation, and to make legal um, to make a legal um, defense, uh, well, to pass judgment, correct judgment. All right, but not this man. This man was wicked. He was selfish. He he used his position for uh, he used his position. He was uh, uh, the very character of him. He didn't care about righteousness. He was outside the bounds of righteousness. So that's player one. Um, two things that he didn't have is a fear of God. And those are the two greatest commandments that this man didn't care for. He didn't love God, nor he did not love his neighbor as he would love himself. All right. There was a widow in that city. And she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent." And um, the she may have be okay. Uh, first of all, widow. Okay, so in this, it, it could, you could immediately paint a, mo- a picture in mind. She's a widow. She's with maybe she's been late on her bills. Maybe the maybe the tax collectors have come 
and they're going to confiscate her land. And that they've got some legal decision against her. And they're taking advantage of where she's at. She don't have a husband to stand up for, so she's depending upon this judge. And so she she comes to him for for help. For a while, um, for a while, he was unwilling. But afterwards, he said to himself, "Even though I do not fear God, nor respect men, yet because this widow bothers me, and uh, let's look at this bother." And this, the word for bother is um, par echo, to cause someone, to happen to someone, to cause to happen. Why do you cause this woman trouble? Or Okay, so I'll tell you what, I, that doesn't thrill me much. So let's look at what Mount says on this. And Mount says that Pareko is to hold beside, to hold, to offer present. All right, I still don't, I still don't find it. But anyway, he, this widow bothers me. He, this widow pesters me, and I will, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out, and uh, the idiom wear out to hit me under the eye. So. So here's this widow. She she doesn't just keep coming once. She keeps coming back. Now now paint this picture. Here here is in his courtroom. This woman keeps coming back to him over and over and over and over again. She um, every day he, he can expect her being there to the point and and at first on the first day. Yeah, yeah, lady. Yeah, okay, I hear you. Okay, carry on. And the next day, he might say, whoa, it's you again. And she comes up, and it's you again. Okay, well, yeah, I hear you, lady. I, I heard you yesterday. I hear you today. But when she keeps coming back over and over and over again, it begins to weigh on him, not in conscience, but in aggravation. He's burdened. He's pestered. Because every his every association, every conversation, something brings something is brought up that he remembers this woman in in the in the courtroom, and then he goes to sleep at night. He can't escape at night because he sees this woman's face in her his dreams. And finally, finally, he says, "I've got to do something. Just get this woman out of my sight." I, I mean, just just pester. He, he he's just. At the wit's end, for a while he was unwilling, but afterwards he said to himself, even though I do not fear nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the righteous judge said, the unrighteous judge, as you were. The unrighteous judge. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on this earth? 
That is the word of the Lord. So let me ask this morning, in the privacy of your own priesthood, and we should, listen, we should take time in the privacy of our own priesthood. We should, we should take time. And not to bring guilt to your heart, not 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 to be swamped in in some type of of guilt reaction or something, but in a serious condition, we should always be asking ourselves, "What is the condition of my heart? What's the condition of my soul? Where where do I stand before God?" Uh, um, after all, I believe in First Corinthians, Paul says, "If we judge ourselves, we shall not be judged." That is, I mean, if we should correctly evaluate ourselves. Judging means evaluation. And we should ask ourselves, where are you? Where are you in your relationship with the Lord? And you could do that in the privacy of your own priesthood. So I ask you this morning, how is, let me ask myself, how is my prayer life? When I, ask, when I sit down and, correct, and evaluate myself, Answering the question, where are you? How is my prayer life? Because it is my prayer life that is connecting to the Lord. How serious am I when it comes to prayer? Do I know what prayer is? Do I recognize that it's not just something thrown up to the ceiling and hope something sticks? That it's, that it's not what I'm doing exactly, but it's who I'm doing it um, the, the the object of the one that I'm praying to. That he's a person up in heaven, a one with a desire to hear from me. You see, unlike this unrighteous judge, the unrighteous judge didn't care about this woman. He didn't care, but he answered her prayer because he got tired of being pestered. But to our God in heaven who loves us, this is on the other side of the spectrum. This God in heaven loves us with a, a love that is that is deeper than anything we could ever reach. He's, his love for us is infinite. How much more will he hear our petitions? How serious am I when it comes to prayer? How serious was Jesus? Because the disciples would see Jesus so often in his prayer life, we read about his prayer life. And so much so that they wanted, they came to him saying, saying, um, you know, what, um, teach us how to pray like you. They wanted that ability. And I think it's a good prayer, even to us. Father, help me in my, help me in my unbelief. Help me in my ability to pray. Just this morning, in, in my my personal prayer time and my personal um, reading of the psalm, uh, and I was in Psalm twenty-two or Psalm thirty-two, it says, "Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely, in a flood of great waters, they will not reach him." The the um, Therefore, let everyone who is godly, who is godly, those that are set apart, godly, those who have a spiritual life, those who are holy as he is holy, because he is holy, 
that their lives are set apart to God, a part, a part of the spiritual life, a part, of, a very important part of your life, and an indication of where you are in your spiritual life is your, your um, ability to pray. Now, listen, some of us are a little discouraged. Maybe all of us are to some extent. That my prayer life is is lacking. Maybe we and maybe we can all get uh, answer these questions. Saying, you know, my prayer life isn't where it ought to be. I might pray a couple of minutes. I just don't know how. And what happens when I run out of things to pray about? Well, this says pray again over those things that have. That you haven't had an answer yet. But let me tell you something just up front. If you look anything else today, you, of all the other things that you have to overcome, the devil, the minions in this earth, the uh, on this earth that his willing accomplices and the, the testings that we have to go through and the thought tests, the decision tests, one of the Obstacles that stand in our way that we carry with us every day. It's not demons. I don't believe that there's a demon around every corner pestering us. But it's our own flesh. Galatians 5 tells us that there is a conflict between the flesh and the spirit. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 7, the things that I ought to do, I don't do. And those things I, uh, I shouldn't do, I do. And that there is a conflict, that there's nothing. Paul says there's nothing good in me. There is that conflict of the flesh. You, my friend, and me, you and I, and Beck, and all of us, we have, we have to come to the point where we recognize and to overcome the battle of the flesh. Because the flesh does not want to do what the Spirit wants to do. Jesus said to his disciples, the spirit is weak, the, or as you were, the spirit, the spirit is willing, as you were. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is, uh, always wants to set up opposition to do what you want to do. Listen, start making a practice to treat your, the carnal nature like a child. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. If you... Yeah, as a parent, your your children will want things that will will want and ask for things that they, they want. Okay, uh, let's just steak and potatoes at the at the meal table. They want ice cream. I want dessert. I don't want this. Well, I'm sorry. You're going you're going to have your meal. You're going to eat, or you're not getting dessert. We don't cave to our children, or we shouldn't cave to our children. But all too often we cave to the flesh. We are caving. Uh, the flesh don't want. You get up in the morning. You you set a time for prayer, and you get up in the morning. You're tired. You don't you don't want to pray. Really, uh, do, do I really have? Uh, uh, there's things that are going to. Well, God doesn't really listen. Well, I've already prayed for this. Oh man, what time is it? Man, I was so tired. I I couldn't sleep last night. Or. There's any number of things that your flesh is like a little child saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I do something. Listen, start treating that carnal nature as you would a child. Recognize the importance of the, uh, the priorities. Set the priorities in your, in your life and stop 
being dictated by the carnal nature but and some victories over that carnal nature and tell it to hush up because the Spirit is going to be here and pray. And, um, and sometimes it's a struggle. Other times, granted, it's going to be easier than the other. Sometimes your body's hurting. Sometimes you're sick. And sometimes it, it, there, there are, there's other worries um, about you. So there's there's all kinds of different ways that the flesh wants, or, or the carnal nature wants more attention and wants you to ignore. And every time that you find an excuse not to do those things that you ought to do, it's always going to be easier next time to to cave to to cave into it. So um, let's go back to eighteen one. Now he was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. And um, first of all, the the word for prayer is uh, prayer to show. Um, how they ought to pray. Let's look at prayer for a minute. And that's um, prosukomai. And prosukomai means um, is to speak to or to make request of God. To pray to, to speak to God, to ask God for prayer. Okay, and then this this next word, very important. So, okay, we know prayer. Prayer is, is speaking with God. And back up for a minute, and this ought right here, this ought is uh, deo, or um, let's see, let's look at deo, let's go to Luanida on deo, or dia, or, or day, I'm sorry, day. And day, to be something which should be done as a result of compulsion, whether internal as a matter of duty, or external, law, custom, or circumstances, should, ought, to have to do. And let's see, you got something down here, okay. Um, and then let's go to mounts as well. And mounts is, um, it is binding, it is necessary, it is proper, it is inevitable. And on here, it is, it's a verb, and dia can also be must. Occurs frequently in the New Testament, especially in Luke. It has a basic meaning of something being necessary. The concept of day plays a distinct role in three contextual areas. And we'll, we'll go on with that. So, Jesus is saying, this is what you must do. This is what you ought to do. This is how you must pray. This is how you ought to pray. And not to lose heart. And um, he's speaking with the disciples. He was, these disciples are going to, these are go, they're going to be instrumental in laying the foundation of the church. There's going to be things that's going to be up against them. Satan is going to, uh, this, these are the very men that, that um, Jesus said that, um, that Satan has requested to sift you all, that's a plural, to sift you all like wheat. But I pray for you, Peter. So he's saying that, okay, here's Satan. Satan's going to put these people through the ringer. They're going to be, they're going to be arrested. They're going to be beaten. They're going to be, they're going to be chained up. They're going to be stoned. They're going to be, 
um, every abuse, and all but one of them are, are going to be martyred. Not to say that John didn't face face tremendous opposition as well. But he so he says to them that in these things and, and the pressures that come down, if you are advancing in your spiritual life, there is an ought here, and we are to be. Like uh, we said in the last uh, our last. Um, Lord's Day service. That the spiritual life is not an option. The spiritual life is not an option. You, although you can opt out of it. And it's not a good suggestion. Hey, you know, if you do this, you're going to get this. No, it is a mandate. We are to live the spiritual life. We are to be holy as God is holy. And when you get your spiritual footing and you start advancing in the spiritual life, the fiery darts are going to come after you. I like to, uh, and I don't know, if Mike, if you're you're listening, and uh, I always like to use you as an example. Life may have been a little bit rocky before you became a Christian. But when you became a Christian and you started growing and you started in the Word, things didn't get rosy for you. I don't think, maybe you correct me if I'm wrong, but I know you're going through quite a few trials, you and Terry both. But that... Uh, but um, things didn't get all rosy and all that stuff. But when you started growing, then you started getting the the flaming arrows at you. You started you started getting hit. Tim's the same way. You, you, you know that you know. I I don't have to outline your your trials, and everybody don't know you. <laughs> and certainly, Yvonne, we we know that we know your struggle. We're praying for those things and. And um, Attic Girl, I'm I'm proud of you, and, and um, because you're doing the Lord's work and you're receiving the the arrows, uh, the flaming arrows at you. When you get your spiritual footing and you start advancing, you're going to receive opposition, and you and so here it is that you ought. This is how you ought to pray, and this is how you must pray. And, and and it's not just throwing it's not just throwing as as Tim taught one time. You're not throwing stuff up the ceiling and hoping it sticks. But you're in constant communion with the Lord in every step of the way, in every struggle of the way. And sometimes you can be very alone and and sometimes in your own hurt and your own struggle. Even even Beck, you know, even though I'm with her. There's a certain there's a certain loneliness there because I can't you understand that I don't have the same pain that she has I can't associate with her when when she gets together with Tim I really they can really share their 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 stories together but so there's a certain aspect that she is alone but she's not alone that she's constantly she constantly has her Lord with her. And um, and same with you, mom. You might you might be alone, but you're not alone. And when uh, and when 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 that time comes, when that the the flesh will like to tell you that you are alone, that you have nobody, that that um, that you have no friends, you have nobody and stuff. Well, your flesh is lying to you. Because the Spirit says the Lord 
the the spirit and God's word that's in there saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So if you're walking with the Lord, you have somebody that you're talking to. And remember, you're talking with a person who loves you. So um, so this is what you must do. And um, so prayer is necessary in the life of the believer. It was important. The disciples, the apostles did important work in laying the foundations of the earth. But you, my friend, and I have been created for good works that we should walk in them. And those good works, the good works that we've been assigned to do, flies in the face of Satan. It 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 is in opposition because our good listen our works and our mindset our works is is no less important than that of the apostles and it's a matter of life and death because our work is instrumental in helping to pull people who are who are in the darkness out of the darkness and into the light you don't think you're going to receive opposition Listen, you don't have time to rest in prayer. You do not have time to set aside prayer. Because while you may be busy with entertainment, and you may be busy with your hobbies, your work, and this, and you might say you don't have time for prayer, you don't have time not to pray. You don't have the luxury. Because Satan is on the job 24-7. And so while you... Or do, or, while you are calling a ceasefire, Satan is building up forces against you, against the man of God, against the woman of God. So if you've got a spiritual footing and you're pressing forward and upwards, you don't have time to, to be laxed because Satan doesn't take a break. Neither shall you. This is why Paul tells us in... in um, Second Thessalonians to pray without uh, to pray without ceasing. As you work, First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians five, pray without ceasing, and that means pray continually. Um, so they spent much time being disciple, and Jesus demonstrated for them how how they ought to pray. And this was supposed to be only a one lesson. Lesson, but it seems I'm, seems I'm out of time. So that's because Becca here has got too much on a on a, a rabbit trail. So uh, anyway, hey, yeah. Uh, uh, so listen, it's you might be asking yourself, where do I start? Just start. If you have if you haven't made it a habit of prayer, just take time and um, and talk to your Lord. And it doesn't, and, um, anyway, we'll continue this. Um, not tomorrow. Remember, we're taking the Thursdays off. We got, we got our, um, Thursday evening Bible class and we set that time off to, um, prepare for that. But anyway, uh, we'll continue on, uh, for this on, um, Friday morning. So until then, stay motivated in the Lord. Keep your armor on. Keep fighting a good fight of faith. Father in heaven, thank you. For this opportunity this morning to fellowship in your word. Thank you for the, work, the record of the words of Jesus that the Spirit breathed out into the writer of Luke. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for, 
for our for our prayer life that for the opportunity that you have an open door that we can lift up our prayers to thee that those prayers can be heard and that we can continually pray for thee heavenly father help us recognize the importance of it help us to know that it is one of those spiritual priorities that we must maintain within our lives and may it also be a a a gauge by where our spiritual life is a little bit of prayer or no prayer at all in our our lives may indicate that we have a bigger spiritual issue that we need to address and may may we continue to press forward to the high ground establishing our spiritual priorities and pressing forward to that place of victory. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Um, tomorrow evening at 1900, 7 o'clock for you military, or <laughs> 1900 for you military types, for you civilian types, 7 o'clock p.m. We'll be back here and we'll continue on in our study, our Lord's Day study on, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter, I believe we're in 6 now. All right. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us. You can hear this message again, as well as previous lessons, and get notes by visiting us online at www.gchapel.org.